Let me tell you a story, podcast number 141. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Call me Ishmael. It was the age of wisdom. Some years ago, never mind it is a how truth long You don't know about me without you. Welcome to Let Me Tell You a Story with your hosts, Steve and Becky Lyles. Settle back into your seat, step onto your favorite fitness machine or a lace of your walking shoes, and enjoy stories from a variety of genres and authors. Hi, this is Steve. Hi, this is Becky. Welcome to Let Me Tell You a Story. We have longtime friends with us today, Andrea and Adam Graham. I met Andrea and Adam at a newly formed writers group about a year after Steve and I moved to Idaho's Treasure Valley. And although uh, the three of us share a love of writing, today we're going to talk about their unique journey to parenthood. But first, I want to say welcome to both of you. Glad to be here. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have some a little extra noises of various kinds because we have another one here. Wonderful, sweet little noises. Yes, yes. (laughs) You decided to talk. That was nice. We'll keep that one. Let's start at the beginning. Where and how did you meet? And when did you get married? Uh, We met online, uh, you know, back in 2000. uh, You know, where it was really new to have met somebody online. And (laughs) we used to be a little bit more embarrassed about it and come up with more general but true answers. But yeah, we met online in 2000. Uh, We met in person in Ohio in 2001. And then we went back to where I was living at the time with my parents in Kalispell and were married uh, uh, in July of 2002. What was that? Well, hopefully the microphone picked up more. Yes, we have a a special little guest with us. Uh, So way back well first i think we should introduce our little guest before we go too far yes this is my son elijah joshua uh graham he is 15 months old almost 16 months actually yes and can you say hi can you say hi (laughs) cute smile (laughs) we're getting a shy little smile and he is a cutie, and he's very busy, so you'll... And he's trying to and he is trying to get the sound cord, so keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah, could be a problem. So, um, let's see, married in 2000, what did you say? 2002. So, yeah, that's right, you just had a big anniversary. Yeah. So, um... Did you start talking about kids right away when you got married, or did you know? Did you wait a few years and start thinking about it? Um, we were never, uh, we were never in a situation where it was like we're not, you know, trying to have kids or we don't want to have kids. We just really did kind of leave that whole thing in God's hands, and we assumed it was going to happen eventually but you know years went by and it did not as i remember it 
to prepare for children, you adopted a dog and a cat <laughs> and gave them fun names. <laughs> but why did you choose two animals at the same time? Was that to create chaos and be ready for children? Well, we, we were actually in the adoption process when we um, when we um, adopted uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle um, with the uh, with with the whole uh, situation of the adoption we had a cat before that her name was Joy Bell and Andrea was on a mission a short-term mission trip to Romania when Joy Bell became really sick and passed away before she got back and we at that point were had been in the adoption process for about three years, um, three and a half years. And, you know, I think, you know, it's just, you know, it, you know, Andrea had wanted a dog forever. And uh, Joy Bell had been a bit territorial, so we we're unsure how that would have gone. Uh, but we, you know, uh, about a month after Joy Bell passed, we adopted Rocky. And, you know, Rocky just took right to her um, when uh, th they when we met at the Humane Society. And, uh, you know, it was just like he'd known her forever uh, at the first meeting. And that's weird because Rocky generally does not, you know, as we've known him, he does not like strangers. But they just, like, hit it off right away. He Andrea. But Rocky, I, we could tell he was a bit lonely. And uh, we decided to get... Which it'd be good to get a cat. I didn't want to, do, you know, have two dogs at the same time. <laughs> so uh, we spent some time, and we got our cat Bullwinkle. He he came home at 16 weeks. Oh. And we, you know, we had read things about how you introduce the dog to the cat, and you know, <laughs> you need to do it gradually, and. Um, so we we had you know Bullwinkle in our downstairs, uh, downstairs bathroom, and we put him in there and hid him from Rocky, and that lasted till from when we got home in the evening till breakfast. Rocky found him, and he just became totally obsessed with the cat, with his kitten. Uh, he gave his kitten a bath. Yes. Aww. So they became you know so we had them both you know about a month apart. And it became it. It did turn into a blessing when the pandemic hit because if we hadn't had done that, we would have just been so alone during that whole period. Oh, so yeah. they were really a blessing, provided a lot of companionship. <laughs> so that wasn't our major preparation. We all, we spent a lot of time like helping out with a and spending time with a neighbor with a. Uh, neighbor's uh, grandchild and kind of got to know him and became comfortable with him and that this was something you know uh, it kind of nurtured that interest and that desire mm
you now have adorable little EJ. Um, but parenthood was a long time in coming for you two. Please tell us about the challenges you've experienced over the several years. It was uh, from the time we started looking into it seriously in 2016, it was a three-year process essentially to uh, get approved by uh, the local adoption agency. Uh, it was a lot, and I, w I won't go into everything. We did actually, at our old place, have to repaint the house uh, because the paint could not become sufficient, could not be sufficiently clean. Um, so we, so we had to repaint the, the whole thing. But long story short, we did get, uh, we did get approved and we got into the overall process of being available uh, to adopt a baby. Uh, and there's one thing I, I feel that that probably needs some elaboration because I think people have some old-fashioned ideas about how that actually works. You know, we, we, you kind of imagine the stereotypical nun whisking the, whisking the baby away from the mom um, and then screaming and crying and... Taking uh, it from her by force to punish her for her sin. Yes, that, that's kind of... I think people still have that image. Because uh, it actually happened way too often in the 1950s. Mm. Yes. What, what, what the modern process looks like is that if you are wanting to adopt, you get an adoption book together, uh, which is, you know, pictures mostly, a little bit of writing, but mostly pictures of you, your family, your pets, and uh, you print it up on nice paper, and the agency will notify you of a situation. They'll send you out some information on the mother and her situation, her genetics, her background, uh, what they're likely expecting with the, um, with the, with the pregnancy. And uh, then you can say whether you're interested or not. If you are interested, then you will actually have your book shown to the mother along with all the other books mm. and she will sit there and she will go through each book and she will choose uh, which uh, parents that she wants parent that they want to adopt or she could also opt many times they do opt to take one or two or three potential choices and do an interview, mm. um, and that—that's the process that you go through uh, in terms of that. Uh, when you're in that process, you kind of need to be prepared. You know, make any plans you have very loosely, <laughs> because essentially, uh, the bait—you could get a placement notice at any time. And you might have two or three months lead time before the baby is born, or they might the baby might already be born or hours away from being born, depending on the situation. So you just uh, you you just don't know. And I, I think I, I think it has to be said that the moms uh, 
the birth moms in these situations, they take this really, really super seriously. Um, you know, I think we've, I, I've met, I've met, some, you know, met uh, some of the birth moms and, you know, talked to them and th this is, it's a difficult decision, but they really are looking at who do I want uh, to raise my child? Who do I think I'm going to connect with? And so that's really the modern process, and it also tends to be more open um, mm. as opposed to, you know, the old clothes where they wouldn't even know that there was anything going on. Uh, the vast majority of, of adoptions are one where, uh, where the child is, is definitely... They're where they're adopted, and there's contact between the birth mom and the families. So that that was the type of process you know we got into, got got as comfortable as we could with, and we went through a, that for around 15 months. And we sent we sent our book to be shown uh, several times uh, in that time. Um, one thing that I remember from that that I found helpful and then your audience might find helpful too, is the emphasis for the birth mom is not giving their child to strangers, it's giving a family to their child and the upbringing that they can't provide for their child. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So you're basically in the birth mom's mind raising the child for them on her behalf yes. to an mm -hmm. extent. Yes. So they're basically picking out the childhood and the life they want their child to have. Mm -hmm. Which is why you have to be basically perfect. <laughs> or at least the birth mom's idea of perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we were in that process for 15 months, which isn't like even, um, which isn't even, you know, the longest process. Uh, when we signed when we signed up, they told us that the wait to adopt a child could be any time from seven days to three and a half years. <laughs> um, so a bit of a wide um, a bit of a wide window. Um, but we got to 2020 during the pandemic, and it been uh, it been 15 months. And there was, at that time, there was also, I, I think, a little bit of a drop in the number of adoptions and even available placements. And we'd sent our, our book to be shown several times and not really, you know, we never even had an interview. So we're not getting that connection. And that that's when we started to look into the embryo adoption uh, through uh, the Snowflake Embryo Adoption, through Nightlight Christian Adoption, uh, because that had been something we'd had some interest in, like, in the past, but, you know, it was something really Andrea was really strongly pulled uh, towards um, in 2020. So we went ahead and, you know, reached out to Nightlight, and, you know, went through their application process. The good thing was we already had the home study completed uh, by the local agency here. We still were eligible to receive, uh, to learn about 
potential placement from the uh, local agency while we were still in the early stages with uh, Nightlight. And um, there was the good part was that we already had the home study from the infant, so we didn't have to um, we we didn't have to go through that whole process again. We did have to get like a, a little you know add-on interview for the embryo adoption. No. Um, we also had a similar thing with the family book, which again, it was nice to already have um, in place. And we actually got matched to uh, a couple uh, who had uh, some uh, embryos from uh, fertility treatment that were left over. Hmm. And uh, that's that's kind of how we started towards having them. Do you want me to get So it's not like an embryo bank. You met with a couple who had. The well, it wasn't. We didn't meet with the couple. We worked through the agency, and there are. Um, all right. So there are um, embryo banks, and that's certainly an option. I went. We went through Nightlight because we kind of wanted to have more of a connection and knowledge, and not for not just to be like very impersonal. And mm -hmm. yeah, and I think to to I I guess you know give it you know a bit more human dignity. Um, mm. it, is is kind of why we went through nightlight for the uh, adoption, and so you know we got matched actually fairly quickly um, with a couple, and uh, that you know worked out really well. It was you know such a relief after you know the whole time we had been just in the process with uh, the local agency. Okay, so you were matched with a couple, mm -hmm. and is, is there a go-between? Um, well, the, the agency, you know, it, what we have is kind of a modified open arrangement. And they're actually, um, like, we can send some things, like we sent, we sent them a photo book, um, and we can kind of, we communicate mostly through the agency, so they get that communication and then if you know as ej gets older if he has questions uh you know we can go through the agency or we can start going more and by agency i mean nightlight and we can kind of communicate more directly if at some point we want to seems to me that you had several embryos to begin with, right? Right. So, how does that work? Well, it works through, uh, essentially, uh, we worked through uh, a fertility clinic here uh, to actually uh, implant. And in order to do the uh, to re receive the embryos, uh, 
the mom has to take injections of hormones so it'll kind of make her body feel like 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 it's pregnant and be able to support the pregnancy uh, and so a lot of injections and trying to find the right levels and blood tests and then once you get to the right levels then at that point they'll go ahead and they will uh, the, the, then they will go ahead and they will do the transfer of the embryos. Uh, in, in our case, uh, we uh, we actually uh, own uh, of the embryos that uh, we receive only two developed. And so we implanted both of those at the same time. Oh. Because I, there's a risk when you're freezing and unfreezing uh, embryos that, that can really create problems. Uh, we, we implanted both at the same time uh, to give ourselves the best ch chance and to give the child eventually become EJ the best chance to be born. Hmm. So you could have had twins. Yes, yes. There, there was a chance of that, and we would have liked that very much. Uh, it did not work out that way, though. EJ's enough. Yeah. <laughs> would you do the same thing again, then? I, I, I think... I'm not, I'm not quite, quite sure how to answer it. I think it's definitely been worth it. Um, I... Sometimes I think it would have been nicer if we'd been able to do this, you know, uh, sooner, because you know it's a diff it's a different experience being you know a first time dad at age uh, at, in your forties as opposed to like in your twenties or maybe early thirties. Mm -hmm. So he he's uh, definitely a challenge. Uh, I, sometimes I wish that. It'd be, we'd had him sooner, but I'm just really, uh, I'm just really so glad he's there, because he just brings a, a, so much joy and uh, purpose. Uh, it's we've waited so long, obviously, uh, for for him to come along, and they, and you have these moments of. Uh, challenge, but then you just have all the good things uh, that happen. Sunday, uh, when we're the Sunday before we're recording this, was a really cool, uh, cool day, and I saw the Hawks skate. Hawks had a uh, uh, had a had a day game. He is very insistent. He does not want, could not take him to an evening baseball game at this point in his life, <laughs> but. Saw uh, they they've got a day game. It's cool enough where because you don't want young children where it's hot. Uh, we can go to the game, and I took him up there, and we, we sat there and we watched the game, and we shared a snack. We we went and uh, he shared a snack. Um, we shared you know, and then after he got a little tired of the game, we left about seventh inning after he saw his first home run and you know <laughs> he didn't comprehend it he's just like why is everybody so excited <laughs> and then you know you go down you know went down to the mcdonald's and shared a sunday and, uh, and 
whenever we're having ice cream and he's around, it's going to be shared. Uh, <laughs> my uh, Andrea said that we'll never have ice cream alone again. <laughs> because, Probably not. <laughs> because you know he sees us, he's like, I want some. But yeah. it was just, it's just those special days and special moments uh, that were just mm -hmm. uh, so grateful that we went down the road, even though it, there were a lot of challenges. So sometimes I think it would have been nice if it had been earlier, but I would definitely, uh, definitely do it again. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> and God's timing is always best. Yes. So, what advice would you offer to other childless couples regarding the best steps to take to bring children into their family? I think you really have to consider what works uh, what works for you and who you are as a family. I know that there are there are some people out there who will have um, who will have like a very set idea about what you should do with your life. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that when we were in the um, we were in the adoption process, that there were some people who were like, "Why don't you adopt from foster care?" And there could be many answers, but the short answer is that's not where our heart was at the moment. And I think that there's great needs for um, that. There's there's great needs for people to adopt children, uh, regardless of the regardless of the method that that's chosen. So you you really have to look at that. Um, I, I would also say, I think it, it's been a little bit of you know, a, a lesson of faith as we've gone through this, because I was very nervous um, starting out uh, down the adoption path, because it is incredibly expensive. Um, uh, and there are things that can help, but it's still a lot to contemplate. And I think as we've gone through this, we've actually we've actually seen God provide and help. So, uh, in terms of getting to the, getting the finances right, so you do need to take steps of faith um, in that regards. Uh, don't go crazy, um, obviously. <laughs> like sometimes if the finances, you take a look and they're really bad, well, maybe you need to look in another direction. But sometimes you just need to take those exploratory steps one step in, at a time, which is often hard for me because I tend to be someone who like looks down the road. Um, I, I think that uh, the uh, embryo adoption is something where if you got the physical capacity for mom to carry to uh, uh, carry to term, which not everyone does, it's something that is worth uh, it's it's worth ex uh, exploring because there's a great need out there. Um, and there's uh, a lot of agencies and a lot of uh, opportunities to uh, to to go ahead and go through that process. Um, 
and I th I think that I think that there there can be some cases where some people will discourage or it won't even be talked about as a potential option for embryo adoption. I remember my wife she had brought brought it up in twenties to her, like her first doctor out here, and uh, the the doctor just acted like it was a total scam. Um, not mm. something possible at all. It's definitely possible, and I think it's it's worth exploring. Um, again, there's a whole medical aspect to it that you've got to be sure that that's going to work out. But I, I would incur think that if you are uh, if if you are childless, it is something that's worth looking into. Mm -hmm. What did your friends and family think about your approach to parenthood? Did you? Get any feedback, or I'm I'm guessing you did. So um, the, we we I think that most people were pretty supportive as we were going through it. I think that the people who tended to, uh, to who, who tended to say things like you should go through foster care tended to be the type of people who I'm not certain why they thought that we were inviting them to speak into our lives. Uh, I mean, it's, it's like I'm trying to remember, like, this. it was like this person, this random person uh, who <laughs> expressed an opinion. I think most people have been supportive, both when we were, when we first started out trying to do the uh, infant adoption, uh, and then um, when we went ahead and we went to the embryo adoption, I think people have been really, uh, re uh, really supportive uh, throughout the whole process. And I think you have some pretty happy grandparents. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's been it's been great. Uh, we we kind of. Uh, we're very careful with EJ on social media. You won't see him a lot if you're like in public Facebook or Instagram, but we have a private group. And so we've really used that so that uh, his grandparents can see him. It's, it's like he's like full court celebrity for like a very close circle of uh, friends and people who are interested and so they've really been able to see them even though uh only my only my parents have been able to actually meet him yet and they got to uh, they got to spend a lot of time with him while we we went to celebrate our anniversary <laughs> yeah I bet they enjoyed that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of on the same line. Some people think we shouldn't interfere with God's methods and his apparent plan for our lives. You know, if he allows us to bear children, great. If he doesn't, well, then that's his will, and we should submit to it. Have you had any conversations like that? Um, I, I think it's, it, it's certainly... Um, a viewpoint, and I think that you can often, it's fair to debate the ethics of different choices and approaches, and I, I won't get into that there. I think that uh, for us, when it, when it came to EJ, when it came to embryo adoption, the, the fact was that whatever you, you thought of it, EJ was here. 
<laughs> it's a question of whether he's going to be adopted or just going to uh, end up in cold storage uh, until de degradation. So uh, I, I think that I think I can appreciate some of the finer ethical points out there. No one came up to them, came up to me with them. And I think in our situation, it, we, we did our best to honor God and to live according to the dictates of our conscience. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah, well said, too. When Becky and I were preparing for kids, we took classes, we read books, knowing... <laughs> knowing the live trauma that was coming. <laughs> After we had kids, we were still <laughs> yeah. learning. Was there a way you prepared? Oh, it was, um, it was constant. Uh, Preparation. We had um, uh, we had education through the um, uh, through the local adoption agency. We had additional education through uh, Nightlight uh, to deal with some, some of the specific challenges and issues that arise with the uh, uh, with embryo adoption. And we went to a local conference I for, uh, based on one of the books that was recommended to us by the local agency. Uh, and then uh, a stream of different books. I read Benjamin Watson's book. I read like two father, other fatherhood preparation books. And it's, it's still something that, um, that I, I uh, look into, um, I listen to uh, Tim, I, I, I found one thing that was kind of helpful, uh, is I listened to uh, Tim Rossert, the late uh, Meet the Press host, he did a book on his dad, and then he also did a book with letters that other people had written about their fathers. And I found that to be helpful because it kind of gave like a wide look of what different dads would do and different dads would look like. And so um, it's something we've went through classes, read, 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 and I don't know how much of it like prepares you for when the actual action comes, but we definitely went through a lot on uh, before he came. Hmm. Wow, uh, it's it's great preparation. You you put a lot into that then. Oh yeah. But like so much education, until you actually do it hands on, <laughs> it doesn't necessarily click. <laughs> yeah, uh, you, uh, you you don't necessarily get good at diaper changes from a book. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or Unless it comes with uh, pages that can be detached for that purpose. <laughs> yeah. And sleepless nights, uh, <laughs> yeah. month after month. Yeah. <laughs> you mean there's not videos out there to demonstrate? Well, video, videos can help. Uh, there, are, there are some really um, interesting uh, YouTubers and things like that that can, can show, like, how to do something 
Um, I've had to watch the same lady on YouTube twice show me how to fix the diaper genie, so. <laughs> it's amazing, though, yes. that advice is out there. So, EJ was born during the pandemic, right? He was, he was kind of born, like, February 2022, so maybe technically, um, but really at the tail end of it. Which is good. I'm just curious, did that make doctor visits and delivery, just different aspects, like you talked about the shots um, of birthing and bringing a brand new baby home from the hospital? Was there a whole lot of masking and all that involved? Well, <laughs> it was, um, I, I, I think that um, the early part, uh, the, early, the early part of the pandemic was a bit more challenging because uh, Andrea had to go to her doctor's appointments uh, by herself. They weren't allowing any uh, extra person in. Mm -hmm. uh, that changed in 2021. Uh, there was not like a whole lot of um, complication uh, in terms of like uh, masking or difficulties there you know there was mask inside the hospital which that was the rule and, um, and but they said once that you were inside inside your own rooms you did not need to wear the mask because it was your own family space hmm. so uh, it was it was not really it, it was not really a problem by the time he was born uh, uh, so much, so much of it had kind of eased up by then. So that was nice that from the beginning, EJ could see your face. Yes, yeah. yes. faces. <laughs> oh yeah, that'd be important. What did your pets Rocky and Bullwinkle think of the baby? <laughs> um, I, I, th I think that Rocky is very protective of the baby. Uh, and he he was very taken with him. We did a few things to make them prepared in advance. Uh, Bullwinkle, uh, he has a thing where he wants to be the baby. Um, <laughs> and there have been so many times we've we've caught him, we've caught Bullwinkle in the baby stroller um, <laughs> in the in the. Uh, Baby's uh, various cribs. He, he's he's gone into uh, Rocky's. Uh, Rocky's, I think, more interested in the baby, and uh, EJ's doing better at learning to pet uh, Rocky. Uh, not so much with Bullwinkle. With Bullwinkle, he's still a bit rough, and so mm -hmm. Bullwinkle's just kind of like, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm I'm gonna. I'm just gonna stay away and stay out of the way as much as possible, you know, when he is out crawling. So, so you said you did some things to prepare your animals. What what do you do? Well, there. I'm trying to remember actually because you've got. I think I don't know if we use dolls, although that was an option. I think like you use the type. You introduce the type of smells that you're gonna have mm. with the baby terms of different powders and, and things like that 
and you start furnishing the nursery. When 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 we moved here to the to this house, they just just took it as a place that they could just hang out in whenever. Uh, <laughs> uh, but we got them comfortable. Uh, as comfortable as we could just by introducing things that gave hints to what the baby would be like and you know once we came through the door they were both um, they were both okay and Rocky was uh, excited and he just spends a lot of time near the baby although the baby can make him a bit nervous <laughs> <laughs> I remember our first child our dog just sat down and barked once and that was it. <laughs> yeah. And they were pals from then on. <laughs> it's kind of like, what is this in my house? Okay, I got it now. Yeah. It's alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Adam and Andrea, who is taking care of EJ uh, for your time, for all your expertise in telling us about your adventure. Yeah, that was something to go through. <laughs> And I'm sure that listeners will get a lot out of this, especially if they're going to or considering going through the same or similar process. Yes, thank you, Adam. Fun to talk with you again and Andrea. And we also thank our listeners. (laughs) Remember, you too have a story. Be sure to live it to the fullest. Thank you for listening to Let Me Tell You a Story. Please email your comments, suggestions, and submissions to story at beckylyles.com. That's all for now. Tune in next time to enjoy a fresh assortment of stories on Let Me Tell You a Story.